My guest on this week's episode of Suds and Search is Ryan Jones, Vice President of SEO at Razorfish. Ryan is a computer programmer turned digital marketer. In his role at Razorfish, Ryan oversees an international SEO team running campaigns for some of the largest brands in the world. He is also a popular conference presenter. A short list of the conferences Brian has presented at includes PubCon, SMX, State of Search, and Ungagged. I begin our conversation talking about his presentation at PubCon Florida last spring. The speech was based on research Ryan did with Eric Enga in partnership with Bright Edge. The presentation starts by showing the myriad ways that enhanced search features are expanding. For SEO professionals who look at SERPs every day, the pace of change can be dizzying. So if the SERP is fundamentally changing in unpredictable ways, how should SEOs adjust the way we measure rankings or search position? How does this impact tasks like keyword research? I'm going to ask Ryan these questions and more. One thing I love about Ryan is that he lives in my hometown of Detroit, Michigan. Towards the end of our interview, we'll get a chance to chat about Detroit-style pizza, drinking in Canada as teenagers, and why it's impossible to be born and raised in South Detroit. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Ryan Jones. We'll chat about his new Ngram tool, SEO DataViz. We'll talk about why the future of search is verbs, and we'll spend a little time talking about WTF SEO, the most hilarious Twitter parody account I follow. All right, Ryan Jones, welcome to Sudden Search. How are you doing? Uh, good, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I think this is going to be a somewhat challenging interview for me because I grew up in Detroit, you live in Detroit. Yeah. We're supposed to be talking about digital marketing. This is going to be a test of my discipline to stay on task. But uh, before I'm disciplined, can can you or has any of your friends been to Eminem's new drive through restaurant, Mom's Spaghetti, and can you tell me anything about it? No, no one's been there that I know of yet. And everybody that's not in Detroit keeps asking me. Uh, like three people have tagged me on Facebook so far. Like, hey, have you gone here? Like, give me the reviews. Send me pictures. Um, I'm, I, I haven't been. I'm going to wait till the buzz dies down. Like, there are huge lines from what I'm hearing. Uh, so I might give it a week or two. But uh, I've been kind of laid up all this week with the cold. You can probably hear it when I talk. So uh, it's not COVID. We've confirmed that. But I, I do have a little a bad cold going around. So it's it's been a it's been a kind of a lazy week for me this week. Well, I, I appreciate you playing through the pain. Um, all right. So the last time I saw you was at PubCon, and I wanted to do a little bit of a setup. Uh, you had this like really uh, much discussed presentation. It was originally supposed to be with you and Eric Ng. Uh, Eric wasn't able to do there, but there's this research that you guys did in partnership with Bright Edge. You have a tool out of this. I'm just interested in the backstory of the presentation and generally, how'd you get linked up with Eric and Bright Edge in the first place? Yeah. So, um, you know, Eric and I doing a session together was just chance, you know, uh, the conference put us together because we both pitched similar topics. Um, and, you know, the topics we pitched are related to changing SERPs and um, how we ha as marketers have to change because the SERPs are changing. And so everybody knows search engine results are changing. You've got all these extra features being added in almost daily. Somebody's complaining about some new thing Google did or put in the search engines, or you know, if someone's writing about something, whether it's FAQs, whether it's instant answers, one boxes, the new auto stuff that they're putting in, you know, all uh, images are now showing next to results. There's all kinds of cool stuff in there. And yeah, and it's, it's oops, sorry. Oh no, go ahead. I, I mean, I I wanted to. That's that's where your 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 speech starts. It's like you you go through and it's like an astonishing amount of different enhanced search features. It's almost like you 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 take it to the nth degree and then you go and then let's talk about mobile where there's even more. And so there's a zillion of these. You know, you did this research. You're looking at SERPs all day, um, and the idea is like the ten blue links world is gone. 
I mean, in all that research and all everything you've looked at, is there any SERP that you found that is even remotely like a 10 blue lynx anymore? Or is every SERP, we should just assume every single one from this point forward has some of these search features that, that you've discussed? Yeah, it's safe to assume every search has some sort of search features. Um, as you get more long tail, you get less features and more, you know, 10 blue links. But, you know, I think as marketers, we've focused on the fact that it's been 10 blue links for so long that we lost track of the fact that Google's goal isn't to provide 10 websites, it's to provide an answer. And oftentimes, you know, if, if you're searching for when does the Super Bowl start, a cliched example, but it's, it's an example. If you're searching for when the Super Bowl start, you don't want a web page. You just want to know what time it is. And right. nobody owns that time. Like, that's just a fact, right? If you want to know how old somebody right. is, that's that's just a fact. So does the user really want a web page with a pop-up alert about cookies and an alert to join their newsletter and 17 ads and all that stuff? No, they just want the number. And so, Man. you know, but if, if people came to the talk, we talked about a bunch of cool stuff about using these search features to, to enhance our keyword research and enhance our SEO strategies. So... You know, um, if you go to uh, the example I gave in the talk is, you know, Carnival Cruises, um, not a client or anything, just just we were in Florida. So I, I picked something Florida related. But, um, you know, if, if you search for Carnival Cruises, the results that all the SEO tools, and I won't pick on anybody in particular, gave you like they said Carnival Cruises, you know, 2020 was the top keyword. Well, it's 2021. No one's searching for Carnival <laughs> Cruises 2020. Right. Like the right, keyword, right. keyword data. And so we talked about how, you know, we can use all these search features and, and, you know, hopefully no one from Google's listening, but scrape them to get more relevant keyword topics and more relevant keywords because the search features, the people also ask questions, the, you know, people that search this also search this stuff at the bottom of the page. All that's new stuff. That's not outdated. And that's information we can mine to improve our SEO strategies. So that was all the data we shared in the talk and, and some interesting stuff there. So it was, it was a fun, it was a fun presentation. All right, and I, I want to hear all about it. You've got this this website I want to talk about too, but I, I think just before I get ahead of myself, this note, Nut 10 Blue Links presents some challenges for us. It, it, it's sort of like a psychological challenge for SEOs because we're so used to looking at tools, even Search Council. Search Council doesn't say you rank number six, but you've got a map and people also ask. They say you rank number six. They're talking like it's a, a 10 Blue Links world. I'm curious, like, Ryan, how do you even evaluate rankings or search position or whatever term you want to use when you're doing an analysis for a client? Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. A lot of people are struggling with, um, to be honest, I don't really use rankings much when it comes to measuring success for clients. Um, I'm still focused on overall impressions and clicks and then, you know, whatever the client's goals are from SEO, uh, whether it's, you know, sales or, you know, whatever their KPIs are, but rankings are more for me and my team. Um, and I, I concern, you know, so we can troubleshoot and figure out why the clicks and impressions are down or up, usually up. Um, but, uh, they're, they're more for us, you know, and I don't look at them as a raw number. Like I don't care if I'm number six, but if I see a six change to an eight, then that's, that's something I need to look into. Um, and so I'm more concerned directionality of rankings and less concerned with, you know, what the actual number is, as long as I'm getting clicks and impressions and, and the numbers that, that actually matter. Makes perfect sense. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of getting, just building through your presentation, but one of the other big takeaways, you have this quote from Bill Gates that the future of search is verbs. The, the concept is that trivial informational searches are dying. Um, you know, you want to help users, you say, do something. So I, I'd like to unpack this with you a little bit. Trivial information searches, that sounds like 
you know, I like to get some of those sometimes, verbs. You know, explain this, this concept to me and, and why this is the way of the future. Yeah, so we I talked briefly about, like, you know, what time is the Super Bowl or how old is Taylor Swift or, you know, quotes like that where it's just a number. Um, and nobody can really own that. And the user's not expecting a web page. They just want an answer, you know. Uh, and we see that with voice search. We see that with, um, with you know, Google, uh, I, I'm trying not to say the words because they're both sitting on my desk, but the Amazon device and the Google device um, that, that do voice search. I don't want them to go <laughs> off during this call. But, you know, we see that with there. It's it's That's what I call, like, trivial searching. Where you ask it a question, it gives you an answer. It doesn't give you a web page. It gives you an answer. Yeah. And when Bill Gates said the future of search is verbs, that's what he meant. You know, people are trying to do something. They, they have a task at hand. And if you can help them do that task, then you're going to succeed. And so websites aren't going away. But websites that don't help people do something are going to go away. But, you know, you know, if you're searching for how old is Taylor Swift, that's a number. But if you want to book tickets to a concert, you want a website. You know, if you want to explore her, her music catalog or, or whatnot, you want a website. Um, you know, same thing with, with flights and travel or, or book, you know, like booking this trip to Vegas. You know, if I'm trying to do something, then there's going to be a website to help me do it. But if I just want to know an, a number or an answer, those websites are dying. And I, sadly, I run a few websites like that. I, I have an internet slang dictionary that, you know, I've seen the traffic tail off as Google has just started putting the definitions of terms in search results. And it's, it's, it's a struggle to, you know, try and keep traffic levels up and, and figure out what to do. And I, I think that's a battle I'm losing on that site and that I know one day I'm probably going to lose. But it's, that's where we're going. Huh. All right. Well, well, very interesting. And you, you kind of talked about this earlier, but the, the way we're going to go is that old keyword research methods just aren't enough. So you, you, you touched on this earlier. When I think of the old keyword research models, I'm thinking of using a tool like SEMrush or like Ahrefs or Keyword Planner and clicking a mouse until I have a list of keywords. You know, I, you're, a lot of people have noticed this, but I think you're the only person who's actually created SEO DataViz. So what is this project of yours and how can people use it yeah. to make better decisions about keywords? Yeah. So, uh, and I'm not saying not to use the old keyword research methods. Like they're still super valuable, but they are definitely based on the past. Um, and one thing that COVID taught us is the future does not resemble the past. When, when COVID hit and everything shut down, the way people search, the way things happen, it changed. And the, the term we like to use in our, in our agency is now forward. How do we, how do we plan for now forward? Um, and so we try to take that approach to keyword research. You know, instead of using past data from six months ago or whatever, you know, each tool has different data sets. I'm not going to criticize any tool, but they, you know, no one's giving me data for this week, right? Um, so how do we how do we take that past data, but how do we augment it with more up-to-date data to find out what people are searching for now and going forward, not what they used to search for? Because, again, things, things are changing rapidly. They're still changing rapidly. We have chip shortages. We have labor shortages, right? The, the world around us is still changing super rapidly. And so we need a new data. So we looked at, you know, some of that new data from the search results. People also ask questions. And, you know, the related searches that show at the bottom of Google uh, or as you start typing. And so what SEO DataViz does, it does two things. It's free tool. It's, you know, it's out there. If you type in a keyword, it'll scrape all the um, suggested searches from Google and Bing, dedupe them, and then um, not only show you the results, but it breaks it down into n-grams. And so what an n-gram is, is, you know, a unigram is any one word. A bigram is every two-word combination, trigram every three-word combination, etc. And so... Rather than look at actual keywords, what I like to look at 
are, you know, the n-grams, um, to see what two-word phrases appear most throughout all the keywords, or what three-word phrases appear throughout all the keywords the most, or maybe, you know, what one word appears the most throughout all those keywords, even though that one word might not be an actual keyword itself. And that can give me some insight into not just what people are searching for, but how they're searching. Oh. And so when we, you know, when we did this uh, with a client of ours in the um, food delivery space, we, you know, the, the three keywords that showed up were make dinner easy. And nobody searched for make dinner easy. That wasn't a thing, right? Like that's not something people yeah. were searching for. But those are the three most popular keywords that people were searching. And so wow. we could feed that into our marketing campaign and into, you know, more than SEO, like, look, people just want to make dinner easy. This is, this is all they care about. Like, how do we help them do that? And that, you know, fed into our personas, it fed into our marketing, and we were able to, you know, craft a campaign around that um, more than just SEO. And so by looking at the new data and by breaking it down in ways that we don't traditionally do, we can come up with some pretty cool insights. That's a, that's a really good example. Um, okay, so one of the things is your, one of your observations is that people hate spreadsheets. And so that this tool, uh, and it is in beta and everything like that as we're, as we're talking anyway, uh, it has these interesting visualizations. You can kind of like hover over and learn more. You have this thing that's sort of like an answer to the public wheel. Uh, what, what, talk me through the visualizations and what people are going to get when they when they get there. Oh yeah, so I love tree maps. Um, and the, the box with all the charts is called the tree map. Um, there used to be a website called StockTwits that I used for investing, and it basically just looked at who was talking about the stock most on Twitter, and, and then showed you the boxes. Bigger box meant more uh, more people talking about it. Um, you know, and they've evolved since then, but that's kind of where I stole the concept from because I love the way they presented that. Like, um, but what I found is when I present keyword research to copywriters or to clients or to, you know, brand managers or whoever is going to look at keyword research, when you give them an Excel sheet, they have no idea what to do with it. They're like, this is just a bunch <laughs> of words and numbers. What do I do with this? Right. When I give them a picture and a tree map is more like a picture and say, Hey, use some of the words in the big boxes. The bigger the word, the more you should probably use that word. Like, I got this, right? Like, hey, there's a big word on this page. I need to use that word in my writing. Okay. Uh, and and you know, it's it's more visual. It, it, it jumps off the page at them. And, you know, you could do the same with a word cloud if you wanted to. But, um, you know, imagine a word cloud versus spreadsheet. SEOs, we want that spreadsheet. We want those numbers, right? We like to keep God on that stuff. But, you know, an mm -hmm. SEO, the word cloud is, you know, is what you're more interested in. It makes more sense to you. I agree. I, I like that very much. So the la the last thing about your talk, you, you mentioned that it's reasonably easy to create your own tool. If you want to, if you're, if you're fairly technologically savvy and you, you have the, you know, you're just willing to, to put in the work. Now let's say somebody's checking out this video and they want to make their own engram tool. I think the first thing would be like getting over that feeling of like, this is really daunting to create my own tool. Uh, you know, what are some logical first steps and, and what would you tell that person who's kind of just, just about to start in on, on making their own, their, their first tool? Yeah. I mean, my background is, you know, software engineering before I got into um, SEO. So I like to just, you know, throw a lot of stuff together. And I'm a, I'm a terrible coder now by today's standards, um, by all means. Um, you know, I know some of my friends are going to be watching this that have seen my code. And they're like, oh, you're you know, he's talking about coding. I'm way out of practice. <laughs> and I'm not up to date on all the modern frameworks, but there's, there's so many good examples and tutorials out there. There's so much good stuff in GitHub that other people have just put out there for you to use. Um, you know, I, I ended up starting, I found an open source people also ask scraper uh, that someone created and it doesn't work anymore because Google's changed all their, their stuff, but I was able to 
use that person's open source code and then change it enough to make it now work uh, with, with what Google's changed and, and augment it to do some of the data visualizations and stuff that I want it to do. Um, this isn't the tool online. This is something that just runs on my computer for me to, for me to you know, I won't say scrape Google, but um, for me to do stuff like that. Um, but yeah, just, just start playing around, start learning, look at what other people are doing, you know, look at some tutorials and then just get in there and start hacking away and, you know, eventually you'll come up with something cool. All right. Well, I have to ask you about the greatest Twitter parody account online, WTF SEO, that you are the, the brains behind this. Uh, I'm jealous of anyone who hasn't seen this because you're missing out on like the greatest, like if you're watching this, you know enough about SEO to find all of this hilarious. Talk to me about WTF SEO and how you, how you came up with this idea and why it's so. You just have like an amazing knack for coming up with really funny stuff on here. I bought the domain a long time ago just because I thought it was funny and did nothing with it. And then uh, one day I was testing some SEO crap out, um, some some WordPress stuff. And so I put up a cheap WordPress blog and I I just played a bunch of fake articles with funny headlines, and you know it, it served for my test purposes. And then, um, you know, my friend Simon and I were joking about it and we were like, we should turn this into a parody blog. And so we did, and we turned it into a parody blog and, you know, we, we started writing actual articles for it and a whole bunch of other SEOs in the industry. I think maybe 20 or 30 people have written articles for it now under, under pseudonyms, um, you know, started writing funny articles. And then one day someone's like, Hey, I own the Twitter account. Do you want it? I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd love it. You know, and they just gave me the Twitter handle. Um, and so. Um, most of the tweets these days are Simon because I've been super busy, but, um, you know, the two of us still tweet on that and it's, um, it's, it's really tough running an SEO parody blog because it turns out you don't really get any traffic from search engines because SEOs aren't searching for that type of keyword. And if you are, it's real articles that are ranking for it, not the, the satire stuff we write. So, uh, the traffic's all pretty much word of mouth or social media, but, um, you know, we, we try to keep it uh, light and we, we don't try to like go after individual people or anything. You know, my name's on the site, Simon's name's on the site. So, you know, we're, we try to just keep it light and humorous and not attack people or, you know, we don't want it to turn into anything like that at all. All right. Awesome. Um, well, I want to move on to everyone's favorite part of the shows is where Greg Gifford gives me a question for the guest, but he gives me no context for it. Oh, so oh. I don't know anything more than you do. So this will be a bit of a high wire edge. Uh, for Ryan Jones, he has hockey. How's your hockey game going? Are you, are you like a fan or are you a player? What do you do here? I still play a little beer league hockey uh, a couple nights a week. So, um, uh, for those that know me, know I have really, really bad knees. I'm actually putting off a knee replacement because, uh, if I get one in my forties, I'm going to need one in my eighties and I don't want that. So I'm trying to play through the pain as much as possible, but, um, you know, I'm playing on a couple different teams this season. I'm not playing as high level as I want to, but, you know, still playing hockey, and that's a win. All right. I love it. Well, I have uh, – I've saved all my favorite questions for the end. All right. Here's, here, here's my first one. Help our audience realize that the Journey song where they talk about South Detroit is bullshit and there's no such thing as South Detroit. All right. That is a great question. Um so the Ambassador Bridge, which is a privately owned international bridge, if you can wrap your head around that one, it's not owned by either country. One dude uh, owns that bridge. Um, it runs true north-south. And so if you head due south from Detroit, you hit Windsor. There, there really is no south Detroit. Um, it's called Canada. 
but there is a Southwest Detroit. Uh, I used to coach uh, high school wrestling at a, at a high school down there uh, a few years ago, uh, many years ago. But um, yeah, there's no South Detroit. It's just the river in Canada. So we have, we have Southwest Detroit, Mexican town, lots of good, lots of great restaurants down there. But uh, yeah, no South Detroit. Windsor. When you were when you were 19, did you go to Canada to drink? Um, uh, I plead the fifth, but no, yes, 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 we did. <laughs> uh, that was a rite of passage when we were 19. Where's your favorite Detroit style pizza? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Buddy's um, for Detroit style pizza. Yeah. There's three or four restaurants around here, but nationally, I think Jets is expanding everywhere, and they've got the nice square uh, deep dish pizza. So. If you guys don't know what Detroit style pizza is, it's the nice square, like like an auto pan pizza. It's actually where it came from, but um, square deep dish, and it's great. Do you have a favorite Coney Island, and do you weigh into this American Lafayette controversy? So I don't like hot dog chili or mustard, so um, <laughs> I don't have a favorite Coney Island at all. <laughs> I've been to all of them, but... I get like, you know, something other than a chili dog. So I, I don't want to, I don't really want to weigh an opinion there, but it's, no, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing though. Like it's, you know, they're next door to each other. They, they it's a huge rivalry. Everybody's got their favorite. Um, they actually like have the same supplier bringing them food, but they, the, the supplier cooks two different recipe hot dogs and stuff. So they can each have a different hot dog and it's, 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 it's pretty crazy and it's pretty passionate. Uh, you know, even you can even get your celebrities, you know, that'll endorse one or the other. But um, I'm, I, I don't have a, I don't, I don't have a winner there. I'm not, just, I'm not a Coney guy. I know. All right. Who is your favorite Detroit-born musician, and why is it Bob Seger? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it is Bob Seger. It's definitely not Kid Rock. <laughs> it's, um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's a great question. I don't know how I'm gonna go, how I'm gonna answer that. Um, you know, I, I would say some obscure bands like um, Sponge from the '90s is a is a really good uh, Detroit uh, band. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, some members of the Gin Blossoms have a have a Detroit connection, so we can go obscure and name those. But um, I'm more of a country and, uh, and '90s alternative guy, and there's not a lot of country singers from Detroit. No, not too many. Well, awesome. Well, Ryan, this has been fun. Thanks for indulging me on the Detroit stuff. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the, your favorite social? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, um, Twitter's the easiest. It's just at Ryan Jones. Uh, it's my name. Um, I think my LinkedIn is Jonesy, J-O-N-E-S-Y. Um, so, you know, pretty simple. But uh, Twitter's usually the best way to get a hold of me. All right, well, awesome. Well, I've really, uh, really enjoyed the conversation. If I'm back in Detroit, uh, let's let's get together at Buddies or something like that and do this in person. Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. All right, man. I'm going to give you a virtual cheers for now. For anyone watching, we'll be back next week with another episode of Suds and Search. Mm -hmm.